Hi, welcome to 35 Years Podcast. I'm Lily, birth mom, and today I'm all by myself. Cassie is off taking care of her toddler, running her own business, and growing a baby. So today, it's just me. Sorry. Um, after I did the redeemed episode, I had a couple of listeners contact me and request some more stories of my life and things that have happened. And I, you know, I've been thinking about it, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to talk about. Um, today is one of them because just recently something so similar, um, came up and, you know, a lot of what we talk about is how God has worked in our life through the years, the things that happened since Cassie was placed for adoption and um, sometimes I always, you know, I didn't always see God, but now that I look back, I do, and I'm so grateful. And um, so today's story is one that happened a really long time ago. It was about 2003, um, 2004, going into 2004, that um, my family, I was married to MJ, and we had E, KK, and Nicole living at home. And we had just been stationed at a new duty station. He was army and we got sent to Fort Hood, Texas. And that was during the Iraqi war. Shortly after we got stationed there, he was being deployed to Iraq. Now I didn't know anybody at Fort Hood. I had no friends. I had no family there. We were kind of on our own and he deployed and I fell apart. I completely fell apart. I thought, oh man, if you know, if you hadn't listened to my life in the redeemed episode, you realize that, you know, my life was finally coming together. And then here was my husband going to war. And I was terrified. I was terrified I was going to lose him just when things were really going good in my life. And, you know, Nicole was just a teenager. Um, E and KK, they were like three and five, maybe two and four. You know, I don't, I don't, remember I'm not doing the math right now. And it was just really scary and really hard. And I just fell apart. I didn't do the things I probably should have um, for myself, for my children, and even for MJ. I, you know, I did the things like I took Nicole and I got her her braces and um, I got the kids in a Mother's Day Out program just so I could have a couple hours a week just to, um, essentially I would sit and watch the news nonstop because if you'll remember, it was nonstop news about what was happening over in Iraq. And, um, I didn't sleep in my bed anymore. I was sleeping on the couch. I was barely eating. Um, I just did the bare minimum to survive and to take care of the kids. And thankfully he had only been deployed for, well, it was supposed to be three months. And then it, um, they got extended a couple extra months. And so then it was five months, you know, and, and I know so many wives had their husbands or even husbands had their wives gone for a year or more than a year. But for me, you know, those five months were just so difficult. So when he came home, it was like, okay, I can breathe again. We can get back to normal. Um, I feel safe again. And we were promised that he would not deploy for at least two more years. So I just thought, okay, we can do this. And, you know, who knows, maybe it'll be over by the two years. Well, within a few months, we heard he was deploying again. Not even a year. It wasn't even going to be a year. It was less than a year that he was going to deploy. And I 
was like, oh, I can't do this again. I just can't do it again. I can't fall apart again. So I did what I should have done the first time. I went to my knees and started praying. And I just said, Lord, just, you know, keep him home. We had such a difficult time. E had, um, the first time he was deployed, E began stuttering. He could, he was having difficulty with his daddy gone. Um, we just had so much difficulty. And during that time, I wasn't praying. I was praying that MJ would come home safe. But beyond that, that's all I was doing. And so when I found out he was going again, I was like, I can't do this again. I went and got on my knees and I began to pray and pray. And we found out that um, there was two people, between two people, MJ and another guy, that would stay home and run the battalion from Fort Hood and the rest would deploy. And it should have been MJ. He he had the rank. He It should have been him. And so I thought, oh, okay you know, he's, he'll, he'll get to stay home. And at, the more I prayed, I really heard God saying he will be home for the holidays. He will be home for the holidays. So I just assumed that meant he's the one staying home with the battalion. And the closer it got, we were told that it was not MJ. It was the other guy that was going to stay home and run the battalion from Fort Hood. And I just couldn't believe it. I was just stunned because I really felt like I heard God saying he'll be home for the holidays. And the holidays for us start at um, Halloween because we love Halloween as a family. We're a Christian family that loves Halloween. MJ would dress up and take the kids trick-or-treating. I would decorate the home. Um, Our home was the one that everyone in the neighborhood wanted to come to because I gave um, full-size candy bars out for for Halloween. And um, that goes back to a story from my childhood that I'll tell someday. Um, but you know, so that's where our holiday started. So I thought, well, there's no way he's going to be going something. I I just really felt without a doubt, I heard God and I was going to stand on that. And then he deployed and I, I was thinking, God, what, what is happening here? This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. You told me, you told me, and I trust you what is happening. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll just come home early. And that's what it is. They'll only be gone for a few months and they'll come home. But this time I did it differently. I pulled myself together. I um, went and took care of the things I needed to take care of. I put the kids in sports. I made friends. Um, And I was just standing on that word that he was going to be home for the holidays. And one morning I woke up. So this war is very different than it used to be. They have cell phones over there. And MJ had a cell phone and he would call me like twice a day. Thank God for that because that really was such a blessing. Anyway, he would call me twice a day or I would call him when I woke up in the morning at like five in the morning, I would call him and then he would call me later on in the evening. So on the morning of E's fourth birthday, I woke up early and I tried calling him and there was no answer. And I thought, oh, that's weird. I I guess maybe he's sleeping or something. And um, so I just went about my day getting the kids ready to go to school and and all that. Um, E was going to Mother's Day out. Um, KK and Nicole were going to go to school that morning. And, um, you know, I had talked to him the day prior. He called. We were celebrating E's 
fourth birthday and we went to Chuck E. Cheese and MJ called and it was so loud in the place that I couldn't hear him. And I figured, oh, he's just calling for E's birthday to say happy birthday to his son. And I just finally said, MJ, we can't hear you. I'm really sorry. Um, I'll just call you back in the morning. And he stopped and he said, Lily, I just want you to know I really love you. Oh, that's going to make me cry. And I was like, MJ, I love you too. I, and I will call you in the morning. You know, we're celebrating E's birthday and we're having a good time. And I wish you were here, but, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm struggling to hear this phone call. And so we hung up. So that next morning when he didn't answer, I really should have thought something of it, but I didn't. So we went about getting ready and um, the phone rang and it was like 7.15 in the morning. Now, you know, I don't know, people, whatever, people just start calling. Um, it's usually um, just bogus calls or whatever, you know, <laughs> calling. And so I looked at the caller ID and it was something I didn't recognize. And I thought, oh, this is just, you know, an annoying scammer or um, somebody who, you know, whatever it is. But for something inside me said, take this call, take this call. So I answered it. And the person on the other line said, my name wrong. They didn't say Lily. They got my name wrong. And I said, well, no, but my name is Lily. And he said, are you married to MJ? And I said, yes, I'm his wife. And he said, MJ had a heart attack downrange and we don't know if he's alive, but they've airlifted him to Germany. And we, and we just need to let you know that this is going on. And the cardiologist would like you to come to Germany, but we're, we're not sure if he's still alive. He He's on a flight right now. And, you know, I've seen in movies where people hit the floor, like they just go down on their knees. And I always thought it was so fake. And um, being in the medical field, I would have people that did that. And I thought, oh, they're just being so dramatic. No, I, I hit the floor. I just hit the floor. And I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, God, no, no, no. I called I called my sisters right away and one sister was just, I was actually, her husband answered the phone and she was just yelling, no, 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 in the background. And I just called everybody I could call and say, start praying because I don't know what's going on. I just know they're not sure if he's still alive. And I, oh, so anyway, Nicole was so upset. She saw what was happening and, and ran out the door and ran to school. She just didn't want to face it. Thankfully, I had made a really good friend and I instantly called her and I said, Jan, I need you. MJ just had a heart attack in Iraq. And she lived like three blocks away and I swear they were at my house in like two minutes. Her husband's best friend had had a heart attack in Afghanistan and died. And, and they, to them, it, it was affecting them. You know, they had never met MJ before, but they were, in those few months, she became a really good friend. And so they came straight over. And I said, I, I don't know what to do. And she said, I, I'm going to take the kids. You sit here by the phone and you wait and see. 
And then a few hours later, I get a call and they're saying, okay, do you have a passport? I said, no, I, my passport's expired. I don't have a passport. And they said, you have someone to take care of your children because we're going to fly you to Germany now. And to me, that meant, oh, he's not going to make it. He's either gone or he's not going to make it. And so um, my brother-in-law very kindly came down from Dallas, a few hours from Dallas, and, and, and got the children and took them. And the guy who stayed behind with the battalion drove me to the airport. And the Army said, we are going to fly you to Washington, D.C. to get a passport, to get it renewed, and then we're going to fly you to Germany. And in the meantime, I get the phone rang, and I answered it again, and it was MJ. And to hear his voice, it still makes me cry. He, he's like, hey, baby. I said, hey, how are you? And he said, I, th I think I'm going to be okay. And then the cardiologist got on the phone and said, it was so shocking to walk into that room and see such a young, he was 36, you see, see such a young, strapping, good-looking man laying there near death. And he said, if anyone needs his wife, it's this young man, and I'm making sure they're bringing you to see him. So I knew he was alive at that point, but I wasn't sure if he was going to be alive by the time I got to Germany. So the guy who stayed behind with the battalion drove me to the airport, and I flew to Washington, D.C. to get my passport renewed. They had a driver pick me up and take me to the passport office. And um, he said, I'll be right here. You shouldn't take that long. And so when I got out of the van, he was driving a van. And I walked up to the passport office just as I got to the door. The Marine guarding the passport office reached over and locked the door. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. The Army has sent me here. And he's just he just turned around and walked away. He didn't care. And I'm just standing there stunned and just began bawling and didn't know what to do. And I went back to the driver and I said, they locked the door. I don't know what to do. And he said, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so I, you know, I'm upset. I'm crying. And my first thing to do was like, call my parents. <laughs> and I honestly thought I was calling my mom at home because I knew my dad was at work. But for some unknown reason, I hit, I, I guess I hit my dad's work number. And um, he was the boss. He would never answer the phone. He worked in a building like, you know, somebody else always answered the phone and would have to transfer me to, transfer me to my father. And um, all of a sudden, he picked up the phone. He answered the phone saying, hello, the name of the company. And I was like, dad. And he said, yes. And I told him what was going on. And he said, you just stand right there and don't, and, you know, I'll call you back. And so as I stood there, I was looking right next to the um, building where the passport office was, and there was a place to take passport pictures. And so I just thought, go get a picture. I mean, you got to get a passport. You can't get to Germany without it. And your flight's leaving in a few hours. So I went in there, paid for a picture, and I came back, and um, there is another office right next to door to the passport thing where um, the executives for the passport offices and, you know, higher ranking people work in this, these offices. 
And I went in and the security guard there said, you know, no, you can't go past this. This is, you know, very secure area. And I said to him, I have to go to the bathroom. And he said, uh, this is my own, you know, my first time here. I don't know. I can't, I can't do it. And I just said, okay. And I turned around and walked out and I stood in the doorway crying. And all of a sudden he got up and he walked out and he's like, yeah, they'll probably, you know, I'm just temporary here anyway. I'm just working while the regular guy's off for two days. So come on, I'll take you back and show you where the bathrooms are. And he let me go in and I really did have to go to the bathroom. So as I'm in there and I'm coming out of the bathroom, I get a call and it's from the governor of Texas office. And she said, Lily, um, and I said, yes. And she said, we're going to take care of this. You stand right there and you wait. So lo and behold, I had no idea. My father had called the governor of Texas and got her on the phone and told her the story. She then turned around and called Condoleezza Rice and told her the story, who then turned around and called the passport office and said, you go down there and you get Lily and you take her upstairs and you give her a passport now. So as this is happening, I go to the van driver and I know he's about to leave soon. And I told him what was happening. And he said, ma'am, I'm from Iraq and I'm thankful for what the soldiers are doing over there. And I will wait here as long as it takes to get you to where you need to be. And he even had some food and he offered me food. And I just thought, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. So shortly thereafter, this angry man came and said, are you Lily? And I said, yes. And he said, well, come with me. I'm going to get you a passport. And he was just very nasty to me. And I said, thank you so much for doing this. He's like, I'm not doing this for you. You know who you called and, and you know what you started. Just come with me. I don't know why he was super angry. Maybe I had to work late. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, he took me upstairs to, um, an area where I guess it's people of like higher ranking kind of people in our government and stuff get their passports. I don't know exactly where we were. I just know he took me up there. He said, do you have a passport picture? And I said, actually, yes, I do. And he said, well, that's good. And he just asked me my information and within 10 minutes I had a passport. And so I went back down and the guy took me to the airport and I got on the flight to Germany. And, um, when I got to Germany, the military had somebody waiting for me, um, on bases, they have these homes that, um, this charity kind of helps, um, spouses and families of military and they have homes on, um, military bases, um, for, for moments like this. And a couple picked me up and took me, it was hours, I can't remember, I was a couple hours to get from the airport to um, Launchstuhl Air Force Base. And they kept telling me, you know, they don't have any information, they don't know anything other than he was sent to a German hospital um, because of the severity of his heart attack. Apparently it was the Widowmaker. And uh, that he was going to have surgery at a German hospital, and he would not be back until the next day. 
And we pulled up to the house and they showed me my room and it was beautiful and it was kind. And um, I went to my room and they waited. They said, we'll wait for you. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm just going to go change. And I had been a long flight and a long day. And when I came out from taking my shower, I went and sat next to them and I could see the road that went in front of the house and it went down the hill around the corner to the hospital. And I was sitting there talking to them and they're saying, you know, we don't have any more information, but he probably won't be back here until tomorrow. And just then I looked up and I saw an ambulance driving by the house, heading towards the hospital. And something in me said, that's MJ. And I said, there he is. And they said, no, no, ambulances from Germany come in here all the time. It's not him. And I said, that is him. And I got up and I ran out the door and I started running down the hill towards the hospital following the ambulance and the um, liaison, the army liaison that was there for me was yelling, Lily, Lily, that's not him. And she's hollering at me as I'm running down the hill and I get to the ambulance and they open the doors and the girl and the, the soldier said to me, well, is that him? Well, MJ was like six, four in the, the German, the German ambulance was so tiny that all I could see was somebody scrunched up in just feet under a sheet. And I was like, I, I don't know. And as they pulled him out of the ambulance, it was MJ. And he said, Hey baby. As soon as he saw me, I, I think we were both so shocked. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, they brought me here to be with you. And um, so then we went up and we went to the, uh, we went to his room and I got to spend three days with him in his room while he recovered. They had taken him um, to the German hospital and they had done some um, surgery and they put a stent in and they were going to send him back to the United States. Now, when he got discharged, I thought, well, I could just go with him. And they were saying, well, no, he's taken a military flight. He has to go back to Washington, D.C. first to go to the hospital there. Then he'll go back to Texas. And um, I'm standing there with a the cardiologist and um, MJ's blood pressure cuff fell off. And so I just instinctively went over and put it on. And he watched me, the cardiologist watched me put it on. He said, are you in the medical field? And I said, yes, I am. He said, oh, maybe they'll let you ride with us and stay with him. Because I did not want to be separated. I mean, after all of that, I did not want to be separated. And so he called and, and asked if I could ride with them in the military flight. And he got a no. And I was so upset. I'm like, what do you mean? I've just come to Germany. I've gone through all this. He's gone through all this. What do you mean? And they said, no, you're a civilian. You cannot fly on this military flight with us, even though you are medical. And um, I was just highly upset. So the liaison got me a flight back to the United States. And I flew back and um, very upset. But I got in at midnight. And in the meantime, my in-laws had come to my sister and brother-in-law's house, picked up the kids and brought them back home so that they could um, go back to school and take care of them and be in school for that week I was gone. And um, so they picked me up at the airport at like, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock midnight. 
and I got home and I went to bed. And the next morning, um, KK had, she was on a soccer team and she had a game. So I got up and in the morning when she saw me, she just came running and crying. And she said, you're here. And I said, yeah. She said, you promised me you would never miss a game and you're here. And I thought, oh God, I was so upset I couldn't go with MJ, but I had forgotten I made that promise that I would never miss one of her games, you know, because I had fallen apart the first time and the second time was going to be different. And, and I had promised her, I will never miss a game of yours. And God had me back on time for that little girl's game. So I got up and I went to the game with her and we had a good day. I got a phone call from MJ. He's like, I will be home tomorrow. And, um, he flew in the next day and um, was there with me and the kids. They were shocked when they saw. See, the, the whole thing is he came home on October 17th, right before Halloween, before Thanksgiving, before Christmas. And the thing that I didn't realize why, why MJ had to go was, when I saw the cardiologist, he said to me, you know, if this had happened to him in the United States, he would have died. He was in the perfect spot at the perfect time. He had his heart attack and was instantly, because of all the military vehicles there, instantly airlifted to um, where a cardiologist was. And on that flight home, uh, excuse me, on, on the flight from Iraq to um, Germany, it was leaving within minutes of MJ getting there. And it just so happened to have one of the best cardiologists on that flight. He just, that was a flight he just happened to be on. And all of those things saved his life. And, and the cardiologist at the German hospital at, um, at Landstuhl said to me, there's no way. There's no way. And if this happens again in the United States, he will not survive it. So there I was very upset that he was deploying again. And it was God saving his life. You know, I always say we had um, 10 more years with him, but I actually looked at the dates. It was nine more years with him, but I don't care. It was still nine more years that those children got to know their father better, that got to spend with him, that I had such a... Uh, really good life with him that a lot of healing from my past um and really prepared me for a future of having to be without him and i am beyond grateful and and now recently a story is um happening in my life my um husband now he has a very good job at a very good company and he's upper management and he has just applied for a new position in his company something that he really thought he would like to do. You know, it's not a promotion. It's not money difference. It was just kind of like a lateral move. But, you know, he's, he has someone who likes to teach and he's very good at that. And that position would um, let him help people um, learn the jobs better and do better at his company. And he applied for the position. And um, by all accounts, he should get the job. He's the most qualified person for the job. Um, he's been with the company long enough. Everybody really likes him. And then we just found out he did not get the position. We were 
actually shocked he did not get the position. They told him he is overqualified and um, that he is actually a person for a higher position than that, that it would was just a lateral move that he actually, if there had been higher positions in the company, he should go to a higher position. Not we're unaware of any openings or anything like that. And we were kind of devastated because, well, one, it, it, you know, he would work from home mostly, but had to travel. But, we, you know, we were thinking, oh, you'll, you'll get to work from home and that'll be great. And um, it'll be good for our family. And, um, you know, it's going to be a job that he really would enjoy because that's just right up his alley. And it didn't. And I was just like sat there in shock when they said, no, you're you're overqualified for this position. We want to put somebody in here that's just kind of. Um, that needs to learn more. <laughs> and um, so I sat there and I thought about it and it reminded me of like, oh, MJ, like he had to go to Iraq to survive. And and um, now I'm thinking, okay, so there's, so I'm telling my husband who he takes things, I know he was very disappointed, but he t- also takes things very well. And um, I said to him, well, God's got a better plan. He's got a better job for you. There, there's something out there. And I can't just look back at the story and, and not believe it. Um, just thinking about telling the story made me go, oh, all right. You have learned this lesson, Lily. Remember this and stand on it and stand on it with your husband now because God does have a better pl- plan than what I ever imagined. If MJ had stayed home, he probably would have died. Um more assuredly, yes, he would have died if he had not been deployed at that moment. And um, not only was God working behind the scenes, keeping him alive every step of the way, he sent the dry, the perfect driver for me. He put a new security guard in place so that I could use the restroom. For some reason, he made me call my father, who instantly got on the phone with the governor, who got Condoleezza Rice, who got everybody in charge at the <laughs> passport office. I mean, it was just so amazing. I show up I to Germany, I take a shower, I get out and there he is. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to sit here for a whole day wondering if he's still alive, not knowing what's happening. I got home for KK's game and, and now, and then MJ was home days later. And I just thought, God, you have this. Our disappointments are so silly sometimes. And I get they're, they're realistic. I really do. But now I'm trying to stand on that, that God has promised, like, I am here, I am working, I am here to make your life a better life, I'm here to help you, I'm here to, um, to love you and, and to not harm you. And, and now that we're going through this, which, you know, it seems silly, it's just a job, but it was something that meant a lot to my husband. And to see him hurting really hurt my heart. And it actually meant a lot to me, too, because, you know, he was going to be home during the day that if, you know, I could just go walk up and hug him or give him a kiss during the day, you know? And, um, so yeah, so I'm standing on that and I'm hoping I can come back in short order and tell you, ah, he didn't get that job because this job came along or because this happened. Um, I really believe that's going to happen. So that's my, that's my story of, um, God being there, things that have happened in my life. And if anybody has any other questions, I would love for you to either email us or contact us through, we're on Facebook at 35 Years Podcast, we're on Twitter, we're on 
um, Instagram. And I would love for you to hit that follow button and let me know what you think of hearing me without Cassie. Cause it's, you know, it was a little daunting. She'll be back though, thankfully. And, um, please hit that follow button, tell a friend and let us know what you think. So we'll be back next Tuesday. So until then keep smiling. Thanks. Bye.